So, Father, I thank you this morning. That in 2009, when I heard you say to me, right on past on Barbican Road, when you said to me, you're going to show the world what it means to be obedient through me. I didn't understand, God. But Lord, more and more and more, I am seeing what you're saying. I'm seeing it being revealed as you call me to trust you, as you call me to walk, as you call me to blindly allow you to lead me. This morning, Father, as I share your word with your people, Father, may they hear your heart, God. May this word not be just a, a corporate word, but let it be an individual word that each person will walk away with that which you desire for them to know about you and to know that your heart towards them. Father, I just pray this morning that as you speak through me, Father, the word will not only be timely, but it will be a transforming word, a word that would cause us to change, a word, Father God, that will help us to develop it and become mature and to lack no good thing. So, Father, I give you thanks this afternoon, and I bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. So, last week we began our sermon series from the book of James, looking at James saying, what kind of person is this? What kind of person does the things that James encourages believers to do? We looked last week at the fact that they asked, when the disciples asked of Jesus, what kind of man is this? The, 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 the storm was raging, but Jesus was asleep and he got up and he rebuked the storm, the scripture tells us, and the storm died down. And the disciples said to each other, what kind of man is this? This week, I want us to also look at the kind of person James is calling you and I to be. From James 1 verses 1 to 8, we learned last week that the kind of person that James is calling you and I to be is a person who confidently stands in faith despite their trials. In essence, James is saying, I'm calling people who don't just talk the talk, but they walk the walk. James is saying, I'm calling people who will persevere in their faith and belief in God and are strengthened in the crucible in their trials. James, last week we recognized that trials are inevitable. They are bound to happen. They must come. We cannot avoid trials. But James is saying to us that when we learn to persevere, when we become patient, when we become steadfast, that is the kind of person he's calling us to be. That kind of person that James is saying is that they recognize that trials are good. And because of that, they learn to rejoice. They learn to seek the opportunities to grow out of that trial. James said the kind of person that he's calling his readers to be, which is you and I this morning, is that we will not solely see trials as a negative experience, but we will see it as an opportunity to produce pure joy. And last week we looked at the word pure, and the word pure was that was a joy that was not was not influenced by external circumstances. It was genuine joy that flowed over from who we are and who we serve. James said, the kind of person I'm calling my readers to be are those who seek God for wisdom to respond for their trials. Don't seek their friend. Don't seek the, 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 the table, Oprah, or we don't seek the advice of those who don't know God, but we seek God himself. We seek Godly wisdom. James said, the kind of person I'm calling you to be are persons who are single-minded and wholeheartedly devoted in the, committed in their devotion to God. For in him, they find the wisdom that leads to life and maturity. And the question I will ask, are you that kind of person? And if not, if you are not that kind of person, are you willing to become that kind of person? 
This week, we want to look at James 1, verses 9 to 18. And we are looking at the point that, that James is saying, the kind of person that I'm calling you to be, it is a continuation, a built up, is a person that unless you iron out your beliefs about God, you will never be able to fully trust him and confidently stand in your faith. I will repeat. You cannot trust God beyond your belief about him. You cannot trust God beyond your belief in him. Whatever you and I believe about God, it influences our ability to trust him. It influences our faith in him. So if you believe that God forgives sin, trust me, you will trust him to forgive your sins. If you believe that God hears you when you pray, you will trust him with the details of your life. If you believe that God helps those who help themselves, you will make decisions on your own and only seek him for the things that you can't do or when you hit a roadblock or a snag. However, if you believe that God is trustworthy, if you believe that God is caring, good, kind, gentle, and loving, and have your best interest at heart, you will never doubt him, but you will trust him to lead and guide your every decision. So, until you and I iron out our beliefs about God, we will never be able to fully trust him and confidently stand in our faith. So where is your trust in God? What do you believe about God? That dictates the way, how you trust him. That dictates how much you hand over to him. That dictates how you surrender your life to him. James 1 verses 9 to 18 addresses the important issue of faith and trials in the life of the believer. Not only will the believer require faith in God to overcome the trials of life, they will also require faith in God to resist the temptations in life, such as the tendency to take pride in our possessions rather than God, the tendency to be self-sufficient rather than to be dependent on God. God tests his children to develop their faith. So every time you and I find ourselves in a test, it is God who is testing us. He's testing us so that we can become complete, mature, lack nothing. He, or, and however, he does not tempt, nor can he be tempted by evil because he's a holy God. He, however, desires his children to remain steadfast in their faith in the times of trials and not to succumb to temptations. God wants us to be able to, 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 to know who we are when we come in his presence, when we find ourselves in adversities, when the crucibles are happening in our life. God wants us to know who we are by standing in our faith and our confidence in him. God rewards those who stand firm during their temptation. And as an indication of his, of, of, of his pleasure when his children stand, he rewards them because he wants his children to win the battle over flesh. This morning, one of my observations, I want to share my three observations from James 1 verses 9 to 18. The person who confidently stands in faith adopts the mindset of humility and contentment in all circumstances. From verses 12 to 15, I have observed that the person who confidently stands in faith endures trials and does not succumb to the temptation to do evil. From verses 16 to 18, I have observed that the person who confidently stands in faith focuses on the unchanging nature of God and depends on him for everything. So let us look at the first point or my first claim that is found in James 1 verses 9 to 11. The person who confidently stands in faith adopts 
the mindset of humility and contentment in all circumstances. In verses 9 to 11, James says, reading from the New Living Translation, James says, believers who are poor have something to boast about. For God has honored them, and those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. Note that in addressing poverty and wealth, James is addressing the socio economic distinction within the Christian community and not the general poor and the rich. So James is, writ is written to believers. It's not written to the world. James unfolds the reversal in the roles of the rich and the poor believers and he contrasts their spiritual state. So he says to the poor, boast in your lowly or humble position, or high position, sorry. He says to the poor, boast in your high position. And he says to the rich, boast in your low position. That sound, that's quite paradoxical, right? The verb boast means to rejoice or to glory in God. In essence, Jamie is saying, reframe your minds and look beyond your status or status. Look beyond what's happening. Look beyond the visible evidence in your life. Look beyond what's happening so that you can boast and give glory to God. Let us be clear. That James is not implying that poor believers have more faith in God than rich believers. That's not what he's saying. The poor believers are likely Christians of little significance in the world, impoverished, financially disadvantaged, or facing economic challenges because of their religious choice to follow Christ. Last week, we, 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 we spoke about walking the walk. And so what James is calling, he's saying to, to, to the believers, he's saying, let us walk the walk. Let us not only just talk, whether you're a poor believer or you're a rich believer, let us walk the walk and not just talk, and not just talk the talk. James says a, a, a poor believer must learn to boast in these humble circumstances. So how is that possible? Who wants to boast in their lack? James says the only way this is able to be done, you're able to boast in your humble circumstances, is by adopting a particular attitude and perspective, by shifting your focus from your visible evidence of poverty. Stop looking at the bills you can't pay. Stop looking at the bills that are due. Stop looking at the fact that you are the least in, in wherever you find yourself. James said, acknowledge that you are a child of God and that affords you the spiritual blessing, treasures and riches that are in Christ. Even in the face of economic challenges, you can be fulfilled. James says to the poor believer, stop looking at what you do not have and look at your spiritual high position. In 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, Jesus sacrificed his own riches and became poor so that those who believe in him might become spiritually rich. In Philippians 4 verse 9, um, Paul assures us that God will provide for the needs of those who depend on him according to his riches in glory. Therefore, to the, to the poor, James says, understand that your worth, your identity and contentment should never be determined by what you have or by your status. It should be determined by your relationship with God. That is the reason why James 
urges all believers in humble circumstances to boast. Boast. Boast that God honors you. Boast in your high position as a child of God. Boast because your identity is given to you because you are a child of God. Conversely, James encourages the rich believer to boast in their low position and in their humiliation. Rich believers are Christians who have more abundant material resources and wealth. James is not condemning wealth. James is not saying wealth is bad. Wealth is not, it's not. it is God who blesses you with wealth. James is saying, he's cautioning his rich believers to not place their trust in or pride in their material positions, but to place it in God and God alone. James turns to the grass and he said, look at the grass. As beautiful as it is, as green as it, as it is today, it will wither. Look at the wild flower. They fade within days of, before they die. And what he does, he contrasts the transient wealth and the status of the rich, whose wealth will fade away even in the midst of their daily pursuit, as they are pursuing wealth. It is fleeting. And those of us who are part of, of, of cash flow or, or, or part of, of, of Olint or any investment scheme like that, we will, we will remember that while we are pursuing wealth, wealth was fleeing away from us. Can you remember? Do you remember the investments that we made that we lost our money because we were trying to develop? We wanted to have the security. James says to the rich believer, boast in your low position. So how is this possible? It's again requires an adopting of a mindset of humility. Humility is not something that most of us want to be. No, most of us don't want to be humble. Most of us want to look down on people who are humble because we, in our minds, we want to be seen as those who are proud and, and persons who have a lot and, and, and we get to talk about what we have. But by adopting a spiritual perspective, James says you will recognize the limitation of worldly success and material wealth. When the rich man adopts this mindset, he will embrace humility and he will recognize that he cannot or I cannot depend on my own strength or possession, but on God for everything. By recognizing that true fulfillment and value comes from a deep relationship with God, the rich man will recognize that being a child of God is far of greater worth and far more valuable than to have these worldly possessions and accomplishments that fade away, temporary in nature. The rich man boasts in his low position by understanding that it was God and not his hard work and shrewdness that created his wealth. According to Deuteronomy 8.18, it is God who gives the opportunity to produce wealth. The rich man learns to boast in his low position when he aligns his perspective with Christ's perspective. Who, though he was the son of God, think about that, humbled himself and took on a lowly position. The rich man humbles himself by prioritizing his spiritual treasures. He recognized that the value of the kingdom of God is never about his transient wealth. It's never about his temporary earth, earthly achievements. It's never about what he can accumulate because we work to accumulate and we work because we want the fact that when we retire, we will have enough. God is saying to us this morning through James, you will never earn enough to retire well. You will never save enough to have enough because it is here today and it can go tomorrow. The rich man boasts in his low position by finding his worth and pride in 
faith and a position as a child of God rather than in his financial status. James urges the believer to boast, boast in the fact that they are not defined by what they have, but they are defined by who they are, children of God. So the person who James is calling you and I to be, based on verses 9 and 11 of James 1, is a person who can confidently stand in faith. Adopt the mindset of humility, contentment, and contentment, and depend on God in all circumstances. I remember a couple of years ago, a friend of mine called me and she said to me, she was quite, well, she was not worried, but she was contemplating what is happening because she migrated to America as an adult and she was late in the game. She was not full, she was not employed on a nine to five where she was being Paid in, paid in a way that or whatever the 40 points that she would have needed to get social security. And so her friends were saying to her that what you're doing is not wise because she was taking on a contractual job. And they're saying, that's not wise. You need to be paying into the system so that when you get to the age of 65, you qualify for social security. And looked at, look at who she called, a person who was totally unemployed, a person who didn't even understand that you needed to have 40 points, a person who didn't even understand, because I never had the privilege of even understanding that or knowing that there was a 40-point system. And so we had that discussion, and I said to her, I don't know if, you know if I'm the right person to call, because I don't know about the 40-point system. I have nothing but God. And that's all I have. That's all I have. That's all God has afforded me to have is him. There is nothing. There is no plan B. There's nothing to, to rest on. There's no other security that I have but him. And we prayed together and she left. And maybe this morning you are like my friend then. Who... The world is saying to you, you need to have this in place. You need to put this in place. You need, and yes, it is, it is a, it's a very wise and shrewd thing to do. But remember what James is saying today. You can have that savings and tomorrow the bank that the money is in collapse and your money is gone. In Jamaica, I think the maximum you'll ever get is, I think, I think it's what, 60,000 the bank will repay you. I think, I'm not sure if that's changed. So no matter how much money you have in the bank, the most the bank will repay you if it closes or if bankrupts is 60,000. That is Jamaican dollar. So imagine if you're saving your wealth and you're, you're, you're accumulating this wealth and you're doing all of this because you want to, to ensure that when you get to the, the old age that we all of us are afraid of getting to without money. There goes the bank collapsing. There goes your 401k. There goes your IRA and all of those things that I am now learning. If your wealth, if your security, if your faith is, is, is hinged on what you have materially, you are in problem. Because James says to us that unless you are able to adopt the mindset of contentment and dependence on God, you are in problem. The person James is calling us to be this morning is a person who can confidently stand in faith and recognize that their true wealth is their spiritual life, their relationship with God, and not the transient wealth that the world tells us to, to, to accumulate. James invites both the rich and the poor believers, which include all of us here today, to adopt the mindset of humility. He said, if you are poor, adopt the mindset, the high position that you are a child of God. If you are rich, adopt the low my position that you are a child of God and all of what you have means nothing. James, as I said to earlier, is not against wealth creation. He's against dependency on material wealth rather than God. So evaluate yourself. Have you been trying to accumulate wealth for security? If you're like me, I remembered when I used to be in construction 
I wanted to accumulate wealth. I wanted to save. I wanted to own properties because in my mind, they would come in very handy when I get older. Where, are, where am I now? It shows that everything that you can see and touch is temporary. And God is calling you to develop relationship with him. He said, that's the only thing that will last. He said, he provides for the birds of the air. He provides for the grass that is here today. Yet the gardener comes tomorrow and he cuts it and it's no longer as green and fresh. God provides for you and I if we trust him. The trust in him rather than the material substance. From verse 12 to 15, James says to us, the person who confidently stands in faith endures trials and does not succumb to the temptation to do evil. From the NLT version, James says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. To death. James addresses two situations that challenges the poor and the rich believer, trials and temptation. He encourages the believers, whether you are rich or you are poor, stay faithful to God under trial. Do not succumb to the temptation to do evil. Notice how James links the persevering in faith and loving of God. In essence, James is saying that the person who loves God stays faithful to him, even while they are being tested, even while their faith is being tested. They are the ones who will receive the crown of life, the victory wreath that God promised to those who win. James is making a link between trials and temptations and he's making a link between those who love God and their faith. James is making a link and I want you to be aware of the link that James is making. James is saying for you and I to persevere in our faith, there must be a love for God. Our belief in God must be ironed out. Our belief in God must supersede the trials that we can go through. We can ride the storms. I remember going to Pennsylvania once to visit um, a friend of mine, actually Ruth's sister. And I was in the bus traveling to Pennsylvania. She was at the border of New Jersey, Pennsylvania at the time. And I was in the bus, the Greyhound bus, going to, 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 to our home. And I saw that there was the traffic. The traffic was on, I mean, a long line of traffic. And I sat and I looked at this twig on the twig on the lake, leisurely being moved by the current. And right then and there, the Lord spoke to me. He said, look at all the twig is allowing the current to move it. No resistance, no fighting, no struggling. The twig is just being moved by the current, the water's current. And he says to me, when you have faith in me, when you trust me, you allow me to move you the way I want to move you. You allow me to carry you to the place I want to carry you without resistance. Because you know me, because you trust me, because you have ironed out your faith and what you believe in me. But when we don't, my sisters and brothers, we resist. We try to do it our own way. 
and we make statements, God helps those who help themselves. And we make those statements being uh, not being cognizant that what we are saying and what we are demonstrating to those who hear us is that we do not trust God. James says to us today, if you do not trust God, you're going to fall in trials and you're going to fall in temptations. If you do not love God, you will not trust him enough to bring you through the trials and the temptation and the crown of life that is promised to those who love God, you will not get because you would not have one. James is speaking to men and women who wants to win. James is calling for the kind of person who wants to win, who wants to run the race. And at the end of the life, they can say, it is finished. I have run my race well. I, I, I took my baton and I ran my race well. James is calling for men and women who are not totally um, submitted or caught up with earning material wealth alone. James is calling men and women who recognize that God is calling us to depend on him. The banks that we trust to be our 401k holders. The, 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 the corporation that we trust to buy our, our stocks. They fail. They close. They go bankrupt. God can never and will never go bankrupt. And he's saying to you and I this morning, will you trust me? Will you confidently stand in your faith and trust me? Will you adopt the mindset of trusting and depending on me? God says the crown of life is a promise to those who will run their race and run it well. In verse 13, James addresses the common misunderstandings about temptation. He said the purpose of temptation is to lead a person away from God's will by enticing them to engage in sinful or morally wrong behaviors. So if that is the purpose of temptation, therefore our holy God will never tempt us. Neither will he be tempted by evil, because that is never his purpose for us. However, the temptation to sin from, comes from you and I. It is what is in us that entices us. It is what is in us create that desire and disguises itself sometimes as something attractive and harmless. This disguises itself as something, as pleasure, and we desire that harmless thing. But what is happening to us is that we are being tempted. We are being tempted to desire the thing that the world is saying that is, a, that is the norm. How many of us, as I said to my daughter this morning, I looked at my skin and I said, my daughter, I'm aging. And she said, mommy, do you really believe that you're, she said, yes, we're all aging, but do you think it's just happening? And she, and, and she, and she started to affirm me. But as, I, but as I showered and I got dressed, I presented my aging body to the Lord. And what I sent the Lord saying to me, he says, Ava, that too is going to fade you can't do enough work on it. You can't lotion the skin enough. You can't exfoliate enough. You can't mask up enough. You can't color the hair enough. You are fading, Ava. And the only thing that will last is my relationship with you, Ava. You and I, my brothers and sisters, we are fading. And there's going to come a day that you're going to get the call. You're going to hear that Ava is no longer with us. Because I have an expiration date. But my relationship with God does not expire. It cannot expire. It will not expire. And so God is saying to me this morning as I spoke to him about my aging body. Because I looked at my skin and I saw those little white spots. You know those little white spots that tells us that our skin is aging. God says to me, Ava, that's the norm. You are fading. You're no longer that teenager. You're no longer that 20, 
eight-year-old girl with the, what they, they call the Coca-Cola shape bottle. The Coca bottle, Coca-Cola bottle shape. You are no longer that girl with, 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 with your hair, whatever color it was at the time. You are no longer that girl without wrinkles and, 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 and drolls. You are no longer that girl. You are fading. Today you are here and tomorrow you are gone. But what I want you to spend the time doing is working on your relationship with me. The temptation that you and I face comes from the desires that are in us. What are you being tempted to do? And that's the question I ask myself. What am I being tempted to do? Because my temptation tells me what my desires are. My temptation tells me what my desires are. Your temptation tell, tell, says to you what your desires are. If we do not resist the temptation to sin by taking captive our thoughts and relying on God's strength and guidance and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we will be dragged away. We will be hauled away. And when I thought about my picture, the picture I got was of a, was, was of a, a fisherman hauling a net of fish on the seaside, pulling it from his boat, just drawing it. The fish has no control. The fish cannot dictate which direction they are going. The fish are just being led by this fisherman. And it's the same thing. If I, if I do not take captive my thought, if you do not take captive your thoughts to the obedience of Christ and rely on him and him alone, you, like me, will be hauled away. You and I will be dragged away because we'll be so enticed that there's nothing to hold us back. However, we are mindful of the gracious God and the merciful God that we serve, that says there are new mercies every morning. If you and I succumb to the temptation, God has made available to us the ability to come, to approach him with a repentant heart, to seek his forgiveness and grace. And he forgives us because he knows that we are weak. He knows that we are frail. He knows that on the journey to getting to where he has called us to be, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to mess up, mess up. But he's saying to you, my daughter and sons, if you make a mistake, don't stay in that position. Get up. Come to me with a repentant heart. Come in quietness and rest. In quietness and rest. Come to me and I will forgive you of your sins. However, although God does not tempt us, in the midst of the temptation, he may test you to prove the genuineness of your faith. You want to know how genuine your faith is? Check when you're being tempted. You want to know how genuine your faith is? Check when the temptation comes and then God is in the middle of it running a test. My final point this morning is, but the person who James is calling us to confidently be is the person who confidently stands in faith, focuses on the unchanging nature of God and depends on him alone for everything. From verses 16 to 18 reads as follows. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good, and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chooses to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. A friend of mine has flawless skin. And no matter what she uses, carbolic or otherwise, the skin remains flawless. She may believe that is because she's caring for her skin, but the truth is, whatever she eats, whatever she uses, 
our skin will remain flawless because it's a gift from God. On the other hand, persons like me and some other friends I know will remain nameless if we eat any form of dairy. If we eat, if we eat ice cream, one scoop, our skins will break out. Eczema will say to us, we are here because you ate something you should not have eaten. There are some persons who have beautiful families and they'll tell you that my family is close-knitted and they'll boast about the beauty of having such a family. They'll share the great memories that they have and they will think it because they, the family members are good. No. Some persons work and acquire stuff and they may think it is about their effort. No, our family life, children, husbands, health, wealth, beauty and abilities cannot be attributed to our hard work. You will never be good enough to have a good marriage. You will never be good enough to have a good family. You will never be good enough to amass wealth. It is God who gives us the ability to earn them. It is God who gives us the ability to have them. It is God's gift to us. Our salvation is not because we are good persons. And some persons will tell you, when I look at my life, I, I really don't see why God had to die. Because I'm, I'm a pretty good person. But if you are like me, you know that God had to die. And because of that, God is saying to you and I this morning, no matter what you have, and it seems natural, and you want to attribute it to your, to your effort or your hard work, he's saying to you, no, you will never work hard enough to earn what you have. You will never work hard enough to have the look that you have. You will never work hard enough to have the abilities that you have. They are all given to you by God. And, and, and let's just think about this. Think about a, 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 a farmer. A farmer rises early in the morning and he goes to his field, maybe as early as 5.30 in the morning. And he works from sunrise to sunset. And he goes home and he goes back tomorrow morning and he does the same thing, toiling, toiling, toiling with his pickaxe, digging and planting and in the sun, hot. At the same time, the guy from, 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 from Wall Street will go in in his suit and he goes in maybe at about 8, 8.30 and he leaves at about 6 and he drives his, his Rolls Royce and he, and he wears his, his Rolex watch. It, 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 can you amount the effort? Can you say to the guy on, in, 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 um, on Wall Street, it's because he works hard? Or can you say to the farmer because you don't work hard enough? No, it is God who gives us the ability to create wealth. And so let us recognize today that you will never be able to work hard enough for the things that you have and think it is all about your effort. It is God who opens the door. So James warned us from being misled and deceived. It is never our hard work and effort, James says. That gives us the good things we have. Do you know of anyone who have great things? Do you know of someone who, who is born? Think about our, our body shape. Think about our facial beauty. Think about our hair texture that we consider beautiful. Think about our brains and, and our ability to retain and remember, remember or, or, or remember information. Do we think it is only because of us? No. It is the abilities that God has given us. Think about the, someone who has the ability to, to save more than one. Do you think it's because you work harder? James invites us to shift our perspective from self-sufficiency to dependency on God. And he says we do this by recognizing that whatever the good and perfect thing we, things we have, they are all gifts from God, our Heavenly Father. He is the source of every blessing in our lives. From the warmth of the sun that you and I have this morning in, 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 in Texas, in Florida, in Jamaica, in Kenya, 
and maybe New York may have a little. To the love of our families and friends, God says, every good and perfect gift you have originates in him. Verse 18 closes with a beautiful truth. It says God is unchanging in nature. And because he's unchanging in nature, what a person to trust. What a person to, to iron out our faith and belief in. Unlike the ever-changing circumstances of life and the unpredictability of the world around us, God remains the same. He is the only one true source of your stability and my stability. He's the only one true source that keeps you and I going. He's the only one that you and I can rely on. And so James is saying to us in conclusion, there are two perspectives on how believers can view the happenings in their lives. We can either view them through God's lens or view them through the lens of our sinful nature. James invites believers, rich and poor, to shift their perspective by adopting the mindset of humility and contentment in all circumstances. James said, whatever position you find yourself in, be content. If you have a lot, be content and thank God for the lot that he has given you. But remember, your position is not in what you have. It is in who you are because of Christ. Therefore, James says to us, when you see trials happening, see them as growth. When situations happening in your life, see them as an opportunity to rejoice. See them as an opportunity to, to grow and to mature in Christ. He urges believers to confidently stand in their faith by persevering through trials, resisting the temptation to do evil. James reminds us, that there is a reward that God has promised. The crown of life that is given to those who win the race, to those who withstand the pain, to those who withstand the adversity and the trials and the difficult challenges and circumstances and win. Those who start out from loving God and remaining faithful in him, even in adversities. James calls you and I to focus. And he says, when you focus on the fact that the God that you and I serve is unchanging in his nature, you will know that whatever he promises to do, he'll never change his mind. You'll, you'll never wake up one morning and God says, oh, I'm not, I'm not having a bad day. I'm changing my mind on my promises to my children. No. Is the same God yesterday. Is the same God that we have been reading about in the scripture. Is the same God who says to you, you have been reading enough about me. Now I want you to experience me. James says, focus on the unchanging nature of your God. He is the one who gives us the good and perfect gifts we have and give birth to us through his word. So, Father, I thank you for the kind of person that James is calling us to be. Lord, in, in some setting, we would say it's not no dibby-dibby person. It's no ordinary person. It's not a person that any and everybody can become. It's a, it, it, it's a specific, a special kind of person whose eyes are fixed on you. It is a person, God, who stands in faith. It is a person, God, who confidently stands because they know who you are. And they have changed their mindset, God. To be think the way you think. To see things the way you see them. It's a person, Father God, who recognizes that when trials come, that if my God allows trials to come my way, he knows I will go through. He knows that it, the purpose is to make me complete. He knows that in it I will learn to lack nothing because he then becomes my everything. Lord, the person that James is calling us to be this morning at NLH is a person, Father God, who adopts your perspective. 
The person, Father God, who perseveres through trials. The person, Father God, who knows that you have something in store for us and it is important that we win. Therefore, the thing that seems that the world is saying that we need to have, we don't have to have because it's fading. It is here today, it's gone tomorrow. But Lord God, the person that we are calling us to be is a person that our relationship with you supersedes everything else, God. You become the very fulcrum of our existence. It is on you we pivot each day, Jesus. That's the person that James is calling us to be. What kind of person is this, we may ask? It's the you and the I that God is calling. It's the you and the I that God is calling to change the way we see things. Change the way we talk and begin to walk. Change the way we believe in God and strengthen ourselves and be strengthened in God. James is calling you and I to iron out our beliefs about God. The things you and I believe about God will determine how well, how much we are truly able to trust him and confidently stand in our faith with him. So may the Lord bless you this morning, my sisters and brothers. May the Lord this morning impress upon your heart the person that he, James is calling you to be, that you today will decide and you will say to the Father, Father, I desire to be that kind of person. I desire to be that person who trusts you with everything. I desire to be that person that, yes, I need the 40 points, but Lord, if I don't have the 40 points, I can trust you. Yes, I need to have the 401k because, because that's a wise decision to make. But if I don't have the 401k because something may happen, God, I will trust you with my provision. Yes, I need all of what the world says I need. But if I do not have it, God, you are enough for me because your word promises that I will lack nothing. So, Father, bless your word to us this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Over to you, Sister Anne.